Eh, good evening, good morning in some cases, good afternoon in some cases also. Welcome in. You can see on the screen beside us, Irish NFL show. I thought the video would pop off, but it doesn't. Welcome in, everyone. Uh, Michael McQuaid, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, lads, welcome in. Uh, Monday night after a crazy, uh, exciting, and um, just just a memorable week one. Colin, how are you doing, man? You good? Very good. Yeah, it was um absolutely fantastic um, collection of games yesterday, both in the early suite and the late games. I did not stay up for the, the late, late game, but uh, the other ones featured some fantastic football. Brian, how are you doing, man? Good? Good, yeah, very good. I have to say it was a very enjoyable week one, some very entertaining games. That witching hour is always between... Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, half nine hour time was just relentless in particular around special teams and kickers. Special weekend for all NFL fans across the country, you know, to see the game back, but not such a, such a special teams weekend, shall we say, with the amount of games that came down to kicks and last second field goals. And um, that Steelers game kind of says it all around how important it is in the league to have a solid kicker. And uh, I think we're going to get into all those little bits of information throughout the course of the the next hour, hour and a half so we are indeed we're presented by Cassidy Travel Ireland's number one travel agent you can get your own personalised NFL holiday just go to CassidyTravel.ie or search Cassidy Travel on your search provider um, yeah and you can also get a link in the bio for NFL Game Pass NFL Game Pass uh, obviously showing games that aren't on television check it out if you click the link and sign up it supports us so Thank you very much for doing so. Colin, how did you enjoy week one last night? The funny thing was, I was chatting last night to somebody else and I was saying first 30 or 40 minutes was like pretty dead. There was like four or five touchdowns, wasn't there? It was, it was an interesting one. Well, I suppose it's a little bit of chess early on as uh, people kind of ease into the, the new season and, and getting used to it. But it quick, quickly I think got got into it, and I I think you you saw there the the difference to me in terms of the college game and the NFL. College game is is very enjoyable, but you have blowouts in college games on on a much more frequent basis. How many games yesterday again came down to the last couple of minutes, the last kick, um, into you know o- overtime. So it's all it's all on the line. It's it's what we love about the game. And again, you know, when this is a league, any given Sunday, all the cliches ring true because it, it is the case. You know, um, there were uh, some games there. Uh, n- none of us gave the the Giants a chance. None of us gave the, the Bears a chance. And then look what went and happened yesterday. Brian, um, we've had a discussion on this broadcast over the last few months and I know Colin's very passionate about this about uh, about the preseason and about the usefulness of the preseason it was clear last night in numerous cases that numerous offenses were quite jaded or quite uh, rusty have you changed your mind on even some sort of preseason action in, in that sense I mean we're going into a game tonight where the main quarterback for a team hasn't played a snap all season I'm not saying it's you know imperative but the first hour it did take a it did did take a bit to get off last night. I mean, there's there's no denying it. Yeah, and I'll give you an interesting one, Michael. And look, people say it was an expected result anyway, but the team who actually spent most of the uh, preseason in terms of having most of their first team players out on the field was the Chiefs. And uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that they rocked up with five touchdowns last night. My home seemed very comfortable in that performance last night. And I don't know what it's. You can isolate it all to 
pre-season. Maybe it's the fact that the cards were, were on a hiding to nothing because they had so many injuries, both offensively and defensively. But it, it, it does it does ring true that for the first hour, as you said, there was only a handful of handful of touchdowns. There was a bit of weather involved in that. Like some of the games, okay, the weather wasn't as bad as people had forecasted from Wednesday towards the onwards. But I suppose Collins alluded to, you know, defenses seem to be getting a hold of the games. But as the games gradually went on throughout the course of the evening, the offenses started to get get the grips with the games and uh, in the end they found their way to make some very high scoring games and some games that weren't as high scoring as we thought like for example in the Chargers game we were, we all expected a 36-33 home digger didn't really materialise that that way and we felt the same with the Packers game didn't play out that way there was again it's it's a mixed bag because some week, some teams defensively were on top and then there's other games where you would expect the defences to be well ahead of the curve just what wasn't the case so a lot to get through Let's start getting through it in our first segment. Uh, we're going to look at the Bears uh, beating the Niners. I actually produced a show for the Niners last night, right? And they said it wasn't a shock result column. Now, they don't think it was a shock result because in their eyes, Trey Lance is still pretty much a rookie. I think he played, like, was it a third of his snaps last night in his career in that game? That being said, um, the Bears were sitting... Uh, 7-0 down at halftime Justin Fields only had 121 yards on a day passing but obviously the weather was a considerable issue in Chicago is this an upset or do you think the combination of um, well for me personally I'll even fire mine in the hat now Trey Lance maybe not being experienced enough and having that news that morning with George Kittle obviously not being active do you think that was a factor or do you give the hey-ho to the Bears in the second half um, there are certainly factors, but to me, you've got to give kudos to, to the Bears because it would have been very easy, you know. The, the 49ers, I'm sure they themselves will say, oh, yeah, not not an upset, all, all, all is fine here. But the Bears struggled in that first half. would have been very easy to let the heads drop, um, but they didn't. And in kudos to the field, he, he showed the sort of leadership that you want to see in your young Q. Uh, I thought they were very impressive in the the second half. And I think the other thing, and the 49ers, they can say what they want, but they they were totally ill-disciplined to give away 12 penalties, 99 yards, some of the late hits um, that they put in on on fields. um, That is, you know, like crazy uh, sorts of stuff. The Bears had 15 first uh, downs in the game five of those were the result of 49er penalties that is the type of stuff that will absolutely crucify you and the 49ers need to get that cleaned up and quickly uh, because it won't matter who who they are playing um, that will be a problem Brian, uh, Trey Lance last night completed only 13 of 28 passes for 164 yards and took two sacks and I know we're going to talk about the Cowboys down the stretch have you changed your mind on Trey Lance? Or do you still think it's just like let no, him play I, out the I think you know where I stand with Trey Lance. There's two aspects to what I picked out from the game. One of which, when the game hurried up in the fourth quarter, um, in terms of they were down, they needed to start moving the ball. It was they were totally reliant on him, throwing it a lot of factors. That Mitchell was gone off for the injury and looks like he's gone for a period of time, but he, he wasn't comfortable. Um, you could put it down to the weather, inexperience. Like people keep saying, he's a rookie because he didn't. He only played three games last year, so he's really starting off. But um, he didn't look like he was comfortable, and that's what concerns me when they get to a stage where the games are critical in that fourth quarter. Is he capable of pulling it out? The interception, the crosser where Eddie Jackson came across 
like I, t- I text Colin at the time and it was a complete I mean you read his eyes it was so evident he doesn't seem to take away from the read and hearing what was coming across so that was that was a bit concerning and um, from the Bears perspective like Colin was right you, you know you, when you give away 12 penalties in a game you're on a hiding to nothing the Bears only gave away three penalties in the entirety of the game so whilst they couldn't move the ball the new head coach had them disciplined enough not to be you know, losing the game as opposed to, you know, if we're going to get beat, let's get beat by a better side as opposed to losing the game ourselves. 49ers will say they, they lost the game themselves. Um, Justin Fields only could be eight, eight, uh, only eight receptions completed in the game. Eight draws, you know, when you look at it like that, you know, he didn't have the greatest of game either, but at the right time, and, you know, there was some defensively for the 49 which we wouldn't expect to see. Like that touchdown to Pettis where he completely overlapped on the other side and left complete, you know, he's completely uncovered him. The other one as well. Like again, fourteen points off turnovers. Essentially, the game was given to them. Not like given them. In fairness to the Bears, it was a tough game. They played. They did what they have to do. But the fourteen owners will be ruined. It's, it's a it's a big loss early in the season because the pressure's on there already for for Lance. And I was looking at the Jimmy G and I'm like Michael, we're we're a lockstep on the Jimmy G. Obviously, Colin has his feelings for Trey Lance. Like I was looking at the stats today. Thirty one of thirty eight games um, under Shannon, Garoppolo uh, was won. Yeah, he's not good enough to be the starting quarterback. Shannon is seven and twenty-nine when Garoppolo doesn't play. You know, he's, in terms of he's only had seven wins. Garoppolo not starting quarterback. But yeah, you know, as this season goes on, if they don't win the games, like everybody has a feeling the forty-nine are good enough to go back to the playoff, potentially go back to the Super Bowl. What's going to happen within the camp? You know, is there going to be a split at some stage if they don't win these games? Like, I know Seattle aren't up to much. Potentially that's a game next week. Seattle could win. Who knows? And then obviously the pressure ramps up, and then what happens when you hit week four, week five? You've you've called it. Uh, we, I agree. With you. Like, is Jimmy G going to be there? Is Jimmy G going to come back in because the pressure will be too much on Kyle? Or are you just going to say this is where we're at, and if we don't get materialised in terms of getting to the playoffs, bearing in mind the expectations this team has, it's a tricky one to precarious one. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. They need to win a game and they need to win quickly and get, get off that week one slide. Shout out to everyone watching. We're going to get some questions in at the end of the show after we make game picks from Monday Night Football. Uh, shout out to Swagmeister, especially Swagmeister, because he said, this guy, I don't know, this, this came in like three hours before the show started. This guy literally knows nothing about football. Dude is such a clown. I'm not sure if he's talking about me or you, Colin, or Brian there. I'm not sure, but thank you very much, Swagmeister. Uh, Fred, Keith, uh, L. De Bruyne, yeah, got, you got Game Pass. And Munzi as well. Thanks for your questions and comments, folks. We'll put them all on the screen at the end. Keep firing them in and we'll, we'll put them up at the end. Uh, yeah, it was funny because the show I was on last night or producing last night, your guy, Larry Kruger, who I think is like this big beat reporter over there, said that he was convinced that it was mostly on Shanahan. Like they had what column? Um, the defense was flagged 12 times for 99 yards. I mean. <laughs> Well, sorry, it was the offense for, for 99 yards uh, and it was just a situation where obviously the Bears forced two big turnovers and you have to give it to the Bears. It, they were more disciplined, especially in that second half where they got it done. I think it was sitting in the last quarter and I just couldn't see a route where Trey Lance was actually going to get the ball down the field and, and get a touchdown. And I think it's funny now because the Bears and I go to Green Bay on Sunday and we'll talk about the Packers down the stretch, but they've got a shot in the arm of confidence. And uh, the thing that I love, Colin, was... Uh, I watched Brian's preview back on Friday night and he literally, he literally covered uh, both angles. He was talking about how Bears fans thought they could win and going around it. Uh, now, the game that I thought that was going to be like was going to be a Steelers-Bengals game, but fair play to the Bears, man. Yeah, I look, uh, the Bears fans, they said that they're 
they believed in their team and they were right. I mean, I, I just think the, the Trey Lance stuff, I think you're, it's absolutely insane if they bring Jimmy in. Like, what was the point in giving up what they did? The fact that they didn't play Trey last year, to me, is the bigger issue. You get a rookie, uh, when you take a rookie QB in the first round, you get five years of them. You get four years on a really cheap deal, five years uh, relatively uh, cheap or cost control, certainly. The whole point is to play them as early as possible. Trey Lance has thrown 400 passes since high school the idea that you would continue to sit him is ridiculous why is he going to learn through a process of osmosis he has to play game time the 49ers put themselves in this position by bringing him in by giving up the farm to go and get him um, by bringing him in by then sitting him by allowing the Jimmy G uh, situation to play out as it did over the course of the summer they've made this rod for their own back but to me you have to ride the, the Trey Lance train because otherwise you've given up all this pick uh, all the this capital they've got nothing for the, the next couple of drafts because of what they gave up for, for Trey Lance so you know sitting him is eating up into that rookie contract and again he's throwing he's maybe taking reps in in training but he's not throwing meaning meaningful balls they need to get him um game time and i think they're just going to have to take their licks in terms of the results um i think the difficulty is that and you speak to many 49ers fans they all feel and they got to the championship game so they're well in the rise to feel this way that this team is potentially on the verge of going to a super bowl and when we see rookies get drafted it's usually by the team that have had really difficult uh, seasons and they're obviously trying to re- redevelop. The Fortuners, as Colin rightly said, have given away the earth to move up to the third pick to get him. So they're in a precarious situation because this team is ready to go now, but the quarterback isn't ready to go now. And, and that's not to say he won't be able to come to the end of the season or next season, but right now they're playing with a quarterback who, would be, in my opinion, would be better fit to be playing for a team with the, where there's expectations are a lot lessened, potentially a team that could be pushing for a wild card as opposed to a team that's expected to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, Mark has them going to the Super Bowl. You know, there's people out there, there's many picked that had uh, the 49 has been in the Super Bowl, but look, it's week one. You know, it's overreaction Monday, so I'm conscious of that as well. Like, let's not get too high and too low on teams, you know, because next weekend, we've seen before, things quickly change in this league, but it's, I, I've had a many 49ers fan on for me today, and they're very frustrated with the situation. They have been for, for the past few months. How many of your mates are 49ers fans? Many Five. 49ers fans? Five. Five, Jesus, right. Shown okay, fair enough. Sean the Rage, going back to the uh, Jerry Rice. They really are, mate. Uh, right, let's let's look at the second game in this first segment of, of the show and of the broadcast and of the podcast. Thanks for everyone listening in. Uh, Cleveland Browns get the win against the Panthers, 26-24. One thing that stood out for me, Colin, was, I mean... Is there one team you wanted to see win more than the Browns this weekend? Uh, fair play to them, they won the game. Dominant on the run with Hunt and Chubb. But I really liked uh, Baker Mayfield. I know, I know he lost the game, but you could see the fight in him. You could see how much he wanted it. And he, he almost got there. I think it was a 75-yard touchdown pass. Was it Robbie Anderson? Uh, if he keeps playing like that, and if he does try and improve and get back to where he was prior to his injury issues, who knows what could happen in Carolina, but it's a disappointing start for them. Yeah, and I think a disappointing start for him. Uh, You know, we talked on Friday's show about the stats Baldy had about when he had played uh, Texas Tech and the beatdown he'd put on them. But it looked like he was almost trying too hard early on. Um, that he was, you know, he was so kind of intent on on beating them up that he he wasn't properly focused on um, what was kind of going on uh, around him. 
in in the end, it feels a bit like the the Matt Rule era for the Panthers could have, would have, should have. Uh, you know, they they get close, um, but ultimately they they are undone, and this is the reason that you you draft a, a kicker. Um, I suppose the the Browns when they took him, they had at that point maybe intentions of kind of go on a, on a deep playoff run i'm sure they they do but they would have seen last year with the the bengals the benefits of you know sorting out a kicker and, and knowing what what you have for for the panthers look the we know when christian mccaffrey is fit he's such a, a dynamic runner we know that robbie anderson is is super talented you would have liked to see a little bit more from dj Moore. i feel um but the the Panthers under Matt Rule, I mean, we're, we're talking about the, the 49ers needing to start winning. The Panthers under Matt Rule really need to start winning. Um, I have a slightly different slant on this one. So, like, I, I felt the Browns kind of built a bit, of, you know, they kind of dug their own hole in this game. Uh, like, Baker was non-existent in the first half during the interception. The Browns had the ball for 38 minutes of the 60 in this game. They were averaging six yards a run between Chubb and Hunt. But in the red zone, uh, Jacoby Brissett was only able to get into the end zone once, one out of four. So I felt they, they left the, the Panthers hanging around. And like by halftime, I felt that game was done and dusted. Yeah, the Panthers came back well. And uh, yeah, look, the, field, the field goal, in fairness, like for a rookie, Cade, Cade York to come on and kick it, a magnificent field goal. They said he was hitting from 68 before the game in the, in, in the lead-up. So he had another 10 yards, I think, on the field goal when it went over. But... People today will look at this game and go, oh, that was a really tight game. But if you looked at the first half and early in the third quarter, it was so one-sided. It was unbelievable. And I, I went with the Browns because I felt the Chubb and Hunt combined as, as a unit, running back would be the difference against McCaffrey. Was, McCaffrey's a special talent. I just felt that the Browns would have enough in the running game. Essentially, that's just about what, how they got it got out in line. And for Brissett, didn't do a lot game management, didn't turn the ball over. And he had some nice shots on the last try. But I think we're all in, in lockstep and unison in this league. The Browns don't win, win games because of the defense more so than the offense, in my opinion, to, to hang around this division because ultimately Jacoby Brissett won't be able to get the games done. In the bigger games, like the, they nearly lost the game against a, a struggling Panthers side in the end. So, look, they'll be thankful that they probably have, have disrespect, no disrespect to Jets fans. They're home to the Jets this weekend. And, you know, they could be 2 0 come the weekend and people will be saying the Browns are well in the hunt. But I think further down the line, they're going to struggle. Watching tape of Baker in 2019-2020 before he got, uh, I guess, that long-term injury and almost lost himself. Um, I think in 2020 he had a completion percentage of, when he was passing, of around 62.8%. He wasn't that far off it yesterday. I liked him in the second half. I feel like he's got that confidence back almost. So uh, let's see what happens over the next few weeks. If he can try and get back to where he was and the Christian McCaffrey obviously can continue on the run then. They've got some sort of project there in Carolina. I just don't know what it is yet, but uh, he'll, he'll be good about that yesterday. Uh, just before we round up the segments, so just read out some comments here in terms of the games that we've talked about. Um, Kenneth saying the kickers had the yips this week. Panthers have flattered to the sea for many years. Don't think Baker will improve him that much. Um, and L, L. De Bruyne saying the 49ers interior O-line was horrible. Mike was just on the right side or coming back from injury. So loads of comments. We'll get the rest of them out um, at the end of the show. There is a comment there from Monday Column saying, is that Simon out of the in-betweeners in the Broncos jumper? Wow. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, okay, that's the end of this segment. If you're listening to the podcast, you can check out all the other segments on the Irish NFL Show podcast channel. Okay, the next game that we're going to look at from the weekend is uh, what was, quite frankly, a fantastic game between the Saints and the Falcons. Now, 
if I'm correct, well, a few of us have picked the Saints. Uh, Colin, did you, did you pick the Saints to win the NFC South, or was it just me? I think Brian had the Bucks, didn't he? So I, did you did you pick the no, Saints? No, I, I was uh, yeah. I was on the on the Bucks. I have um, some concerns over their their head coach, but um, they were up against a, a Falcons team that just can't can't seem to hang on to to leads. Uh, it doesn't seem to matter. Were you surprised though at how, at how well they play, Colin? They got twenty six points in the board, and a lot of people thought, including like guys like D Orlando in Atlanta. They thought that they were really going to struggle this season, and yes, they lost the game, but there was definitely positive there yesterday. Yeah, no, they, they were certainly feistier than maybe we uh, expected them to to be, but ultimately, you know, you can only have moral victories so so many times. They, Jameis came alive like the the first three quarters for for the Saints. They, he was doing nothing he had 56 um yards through the first three quarters and then in the fourth quarter it comes alive uh, 13 of 16 for 212 yards and two touchdowns um talk about uh turning it on in the the fourth quarter of course he i mean he, he if if james was as good on the field as his interviews pre and post game uh, he'd probably be the the most entertaining quarterback in the the league there would be much tougher tests ahead uh, for the Saints. They need Jameis to, you know, kind of be fourth quarter Jameis for, um, you know, three, if not four quarters, certainly if they're to really, really compete. But they look, they got the the victory in a divisional matchup. It highlights again, and, and you look at the divisional matchups, we're going to come um, to the AFC North um, next. But look, these teams don't like each other. Uh, the fans don't like each other. And that adds uh, certainly to the the rivalry and to the, the sense of occasion. Brian, uh, Taysom Hill had uh, some interesting plays last night, over 80, over 80 yards on the day, and he had that touchdown as well. The Saints... I mean, Collins talked about Jameis Winston there, but he hasn't thrown a pick yet. And it's, I mean, we're, we're, we're leaving week one. This, this, the train is leaving the station. So it has to be an improvement, yeah. Yeah, but if you looked at the five games in which he played last year, he became a little bit more conservative than what we saw in Tampa. And I don't think he threw many interceptions last year. Taysom Hill was due to play tight end yesterday. And he was quickly back in that old role of trying to do a bit of everything and he had that massive, uh, magnificent run early on in the game then he, he followed it up with the touchdown but after that as, as Collins rightly said they did nothing for three quarters and on Friday night I said on the show that I was watching an interview with the P's the defensive coordinator of the Falcons and he said Every, everybody's going to be shocked by how good our defence is this season um, and for three quarters I was like um, okay fair enough you know I know it's week one and then it was as if, as if they were all completely gassed in the fourth quarter I know they're playing in the dome and it's warm but like Part of me was like they couldn't cover anybody in the fourth quarter. Like they went, they were lockstep. They were so tight on all the receivers. Michael Thomas, Alave, none of the guys were getting any separation in the fourth three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they come alive. And Michael Thomas, I mean, you kind of he's kind of a bit of a forgotten man because he's had that difficult time between the operation that the Saints wanted him to have earlier that previous off season. He missed it. He essentially was gone for last season. Comes back and he, he still shows the player he is in terms of catching those two. Two great t- touchdowns, one of which, like, he got, he pulled it in. It wasn't a fantastic throw from James. He was, you know, it was more the, the catch from Thomas more so than the throw. But the Falcons still find ways. Like, it's 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 that feeling of you move on from, a you know, a, pre- a previous head coach and things change and the dynamic of the team change. But even under Arthur Smith, they just find ways to lose games. And, like, in those days yesterday, going into the fourth, anybody think it was no more than a, 
then the Falcons, the Falcons uh, win, and like you can see, because like just for the Saints now, they play the Bucks this weekend, and that's a difficult game itself. But if they had lost that game going into the Bucks game, the pressure would have been immense immediately. Not to fall two games behind in the division, and all of a sudden they've won, and they're they're going to be cock a hoop going into this weekend where the Falcons now have to go into the Rams, who are you know they'll have had ten days to recover from the defeat against the a stinging defeat against against the Bills. So you kind of feel for them already. Yeah, Atlanta has blown three 15 point plus point leads since 2020. The rest of the league has blown two 15 plus point leads combined. Wow. Let's let's leave that there. I mean, let's see what happens next week. Uh, Steelers Bengals column. Um part of me wants to say what a game. The other part of me wants to talk about the first half from Joe Burrow. The other part of me wants to talk about the amount of points that the Steelers defense helped put up in the sense of not even having to try and score but you know Mitchell Trubisky on the day had what one passing touchdown there was no rushing touchdowns for the Steelers uh, it looks like TJ Watt could be out for the season we don't know what's happening there yet this the Steelers defense was like a team possessed and even on Friday's broadcast I was sitting thinking it's going to be tight. I didn't think that the Steelers would get the win, but Jesus, they, they played well to get it, albeit Joe Burrow in the first half was atrocious. Do you know the last quarterback in the league to throw uh, four interceptions in the first half of a game? Oh, uh, the, the guy with the, the Bills, was it um, Nathan Peter? Uh, was it? Josh Allen against the Jets oh, two I years thought, ago. I, I know. The, the backup, wow, there you go. So he's uh, he's in good company. Yeah. Look, so, sometimes it can happen, and you'd be very surprised if something like that was to to happen again. But they were awful yesterday in in, in the first half, and and Burrow has to take his share of the blame. Like some of the picks and uh, the pick six that that he threw. I mean, we we criticized, I suppose, uh, Lance earlier for not seeing the the safety. Burrow did exactly the same on a couple of occasions uh, yesterday, and he took a, a huge number of sacks again, sacked seven times, forced fumble, um, and yet they should they could and probably should have won the game so it's a really strange one it almost feels a little bit like a, a ferric victory for the Steelers because as I said they, they lose TJ um, which is a, a huge loss for them and they were really unable to do anything on on offense they the offense scored 16 points in 13 possessions um that's that's going to be tough sledding for the the rest of the the season if they can't improve look marvelous mike ensures that they'll always be super competitive um but if um if this game highlights something else that's that's really important it is on special teams and you know they they lost their their long snapper in the fourth quarter to an injury and that probably cost them the victory um column calls it magical mike well uh, i don't know what we're gonna call zach taylor because he like, we, we touched on his game management in the super bowl towards the end and then we called and it was difficult and yesterday again there was some strange strange uh situations in games like they had 22 first downs in the whole game you know in centurity the bengals it compares it to steelers at 13 burrow threw for 53 times critical downs in the game which are tore down in six tore down in fives and they're not bringing in joe mixon who 
people think I don't know people think he's underrated. Maybe the Bengals think he's underrated for for me. He's really a really strong player in that team, and they bring in Perrin. And time and time, time and time again, he's done it. He did it in the Super Bowl on that fourth down critical play early in the game. He goes to Perrin as opposed to Joe Mixon, who is like one of the best running backs in the league, in my opinion. And Zach Taylor did that time and time again yesterday. He did big plays, big decisions. And then for me, he got a lot of them wrong. Um, it was very strange. And in the end, it was a bit of a fiasco, to be honest. Like, the Bengals easy could have won. They should have won. You know, they won that play at the end, Brian, was shocking. Like, the, the, the play clock and the decision that Zach Taylor made was... Atrocious. He, yeah, he he punted with twenty seconds to go when he had an opportunity to walk to, to drain the clock by seventeen seconds, and he didn't do that either, which was which was weird. Like I, I'm surprised it wasn't called out in the commentary. It was kind of like as if like we'll give the Bengals a pass here and give the, the head coach a pass because he was in the Super Bowl. That was that was strange. I thought the officiating was a bit strange. At the end. I thought his, his guys upstairs didn't help him out either with two minutes and ten seconds to go because I felt Chase had gone over the line in terms of it looked like he'd gone in for a touchdown it was called at the one yard line in the end they didn't even score off that drive they went four, four out that was a that was a disaster as well I mean surely somebody should be buzzing down telling them to challenge if it wasn't underneath the two minutes so it couldn't be reviewed but officiating needed a he had timeouts he, you know someone in the box should be giving him the nudge to challenge that so that, that was strange. And I think the reason for that was because they rushed up quickly to get a playoff before the two-minute warning, as opposed to having someone in his ear say, you need to get that play looked at. I thought they managed the game wrong. And then on the other side, you've got one of the best game management head coaches in the league, Mike Tomlin and Woods. He might not have the players at his disposal. I certainly don't think Mike or Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the answer in the long run. But he, for me, yesterday, I didn't think he did enough. He, he got away with it, in my opinion. The Bengals found ways to, to lose the game as opposed to the Steelers winning. Column... Uh... Mike Tomlin came out before yesterday's game and said that Mr. Zubisky is his quarterback for the season. Um, it's an interesting way to go. I don't believe Kenny Pickett's the answer either. So it's it's going to be an intriguing year in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, just before I put my next sort of thoughts in about the Steelers' defence, there are a few comments. Yeah, obviously Fitzgerald is earning his bag. Um, Fred, Tommy Bryan and the Giants. We'll, we'll talk about the Giants at some point and we'll talk about Mike Vrabel at some point as well. Poor sideline reviewing that play. Coach has to challenge it. I completely agree. Column. Um, Steelers defense. Seven sacks. Four interceptions. One fumble recovered. One touchdown. One turnover and downs. One blocked extra point. Is that, in your opinion, the best defense in football? Well, yesterday it, it was. But, like, you know, on, on, on another day, things can, can go differently. Yeah, you have to see. They're super competitive. And we knew coming into the game that they would be we talked about the fact that their um camps are kind of legendary in terms of the being aggressive the so we knew that they would be would be up for it just thought that burrow had been the, the better qb but they you know this is the thing as, as you get more and more on tape people learn your traits all that sort of stuff they respond then it's how how you respond I, I mean, I think both sides will probably come away from it thinking, you know, there's so much more we we need uh, to to do, um, and there's so much more that that we can do. But you would have to say, you know, as strong as their defense was yesterday, if TJ Watt is out for the entirety of the season, that is a huge loss. He is an absolute game wrecker. I mean, his his ability to you know, just get get to um, QBs and and cause havoc and cause create double teams to lose that 
there's nobody there who can replace him. Uh, Colin is continuously t- um, praising Mike Tomlin throughout the course of this show over the past few months, and rightly so. But the one thing Tomlin always does, he always has a team ready for week one. He saw it last year when they went into Buffalo and knocked the Bills off. And there's other coaches in the league, and I know we're going to come to the Packers for example, there's other coaches in the league that don't seem to be able to get the team ready for week one. They get better as the season goes on. Packers got blown out last year in week one. You could argue they got blown out yesterday, whereas Steelers seem to always be ready for week one. Has them well well prepared, both offensively and defensively. Not to do it in city on offense, and defensively will help win the game. So I wouldn't go as far as say they're the best defense in the league because I think as the season progresses, we'll probably see you know, other teams take advantage of things that the, that the Bengals didn't yesterday. Okay, that is the end of the segment, folks. If you want to listen into the other segments on the podcast network, just go back to the homepage and find the next segment. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, okay, thank you. Right, uh, for me yesterday, the most enjoyable game that I found to watch wasn't the most high-scoring game. I did enjoy that uh, Lions-Eagles game column, but Jesus, uh, that, that Chargers-Raiders game was like a like a heavyweight sort of clash, wasn't it? Khalil Mack actually sacks Justin Herbert. 279 yards, three touchdowns. His movement was phenomenal. Uh, and the Chargers get the win. And I know we'll talk about what... On it. Well, you know what? I'll say it now. I, I don't want this game on Thursday night to be on this Thursday night. Can we keep this game for like six weeks, please? And have the team proper... Like, have both teams ready to go. Um, I, can't, I can't wait to be fair. It's going to be a great game, but... The Chargers put a marker down, and the Raiders look good on offense as well. The AFC West is going to be a shooter all year, Colin. Yeah, well, you saw, I think, good and bad from, from both teams. Very good and very bad. Uh, Devante Adams you know, just looked looked like his old self, but the, the issue is that Derek Carr is, is not Aaron Rodgers, and, and Derek Carr is in a, a division with other incredible QBs and to me I suppose the end of the first half um, kind of highlighted maybe the differences in the the two QBs and ultimately what the difference in the game um, the car was trying to throw to, to Waller and he underthrew it um, and now whether that was arm strength or, or whether um, he just miscalculated but the, the Chargers got the ball and two plays later Herbert throws an absolute incredible ball just uh, zips it in like, and it, it was like he, he wasn't even trying and yet he, he zipped it in and um, the the Chargers had the, the touchdown and that I suppose is the the difference it was a good catch from, from Carter um, but Herbert just just put it put it on him um, if for for the Chargers though they they didn't play you know the four I suppose um, four complete quarters but again it, it's week one uh, Brian's friend uh, was uh, making some interesting uh, decisions uh, once again um, I, but I suppose the Chargers ultimately get a get a, a win in a division game we talked earlier about the other kind of division games how tough division games are um you also saw the fact that both la teams um and obviously the rams overcame it last year to win a super bowl but both of them having to go to silent counts in their home stadium on week one is less than ideal uh, brian the 
the, the, the relationship between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams got off to a decent start. It wasn't strong enough for them to get the win. I I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I'm starting to think uh, it's going to be interesting to watch this game tonight, Brian, in terms of where we can place the Broncos in this division out of the other three teams that have played this weekend already. Um, yeah, what was your thoughts on watching the Raiders? Because you, you were very... You're, I mean, I'm sure you still remain very high up on them as well. And uh, I guess mm-hmm. the, 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 the bad thing for them yesterday is they've lost a divisional game, but there's still another 16 to claw back. I, I felt well. The game came down to quarterbacks. Like you look at the quarterbacks, look, we 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 expected a big high scoring game. It didn't materialize like materialize like that. Like the very Raiders will go away and we say we held the Chargers twenty four points and so we don't win the game. If they you know come Friday Saturday, you think that you're going to hold them twenty four points? Bear in mind how good Herbert is, and they hold Williams to, to make their arguably their main wide receiver who signed a big contract in December for something over twenty two to thirty yards, something like that, and he doesn't score a touchdown. He's non existent for large parts of the game. You know you'd expect them to have enough great based on the players that they have offensively but Derek Hart didn't play well yesterday you're right he's not at the level of Rodgers but you still expect them you know to have enough yesterday I would have thought to put numbers up on the Chargers um, on the Chargers defence and you look at stats look they look high but the reality is he didn't do a lot in the first half and he turned the ball over three times and some of the decision making was quite poor he held onto the ball for me too long in the pocket but he could have got it away and him just taking an incomplete pass and the interception in particular there when he tried to get Renfro when he was double coverage was madness Herbert just made the right decision at the right time. And then still, with with three minutes 38 to go in the game, they're down by five, having, not, having gone for the two points, which again was a disaster because the Chargers were penalised. They got up to the one-yard line for a two-point conversion. They got penalised and go back five yards. And like that, was, that in itself was a disaster. So they end up five points down as opposed to getting it within a field goal. Get the ball with three and a half to go to win the game. I mean, I'm fairly certain they probably thought, we have the ball last week, the likelihood we will win the game. Jim, it didn't happen for them. Uh, look, there's a lot of bigger games to go. They've got a divisional game out of the way. It hasn't gone their way, but like they will now expect other teams in the division to take each other off as the weeks go on. Like, we're going to see this week, one of them is going to be back to one-on-one, whether it's the Chiefs or the Chargers come, to, come towards the Friday morning. So they'll, they'll hope to rebound this weekend. Can't wait to talk about that. I feel like we'd almost need to start showing Wednesday night this week to give through that fully. Maybe we will. Who knows? Watch this space. We probably won't. Um, Colm, the, the, the big thing for me, because we were talking about the impact of Jesse Jackson on, on Friday's broadcast and he wasn't available, but you've seen someone like Bryce Callahan make that uh, big interception. I think it was in the fourth quarter uh, to sort of turn the game almost. It does seem to me that the Chargers, if you compare them, I know it's been one game, but if you, if you compare the situation in terms of where they are now to where they were last year, those key additions in the offseason I think are going to make the X factor down the stretch because if you have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa combining for four and a half sacks yesterday against this Raiders team what could they do against Mahomes on Thursday night I mean it's going to be it's going to be box office TV isn't it and here fair play to Amazon because nobody realises this in, in Ireland and the UK if you're watching this game on Sky on Thursday night we're all going to be ahead of the US ones watching it like by a minute so we're going to see everyone first and be tweeting everyone first but uh can't wait. I think I think that's a game to stay up for uh, a game to stay up for in Thursday night column, isn't it? Yeah, no, it should be wonderfully entertaining. The only thing you'd say, I suppose, is the the Chargers issue has been around consistency, right? The Chargers have shown over the past couple of years they can beat anyone. They are not the the Broncos against the the Chiefs. They've beaten the Chiefs. They've come from behind to to beat the Chiefs at times. But their issue has been um 
that over the, the course of the season, teams have figured out a weakness that they've had last year. You could run all over them. They just couldn't stop the, the run. So it's the consistency and, I suppose, keeping players fit that has been um, an issue for them. Their roster is unbelievable if they can stay healthy. Um, but if they're going into Thursday, obviously, without JC Jackson, that becomes a, an, another issue. When you have two pass rushers of the, the caliber of Mack and Bosa, that's going to make life difficult for everyone. Um, but, you know, they, 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 we know that the Raiders, one of their biggest issues is the O-line. The Chiefs O-line should pro- provide a, a sterner test, uh, you would have to, to say. so. But it, it has the makings of a classic. And there are two sides who are not afraid to go for it. Brian, do you want to give away your pick now for Thursday night, or do you want to wait? No, I'll give it a few days. Thanks, Michael. Look forward to that. Uh, that's that's the biggest game of the year on Thursday night this week. Bring it on! It's going to be a late night. Uh, can Michael survive on another night of three hours sleep? Find out tonight. Uh, okay, um, it's time to talk about this. Uh, Fred actually commented about about Ronaldo and comparing him to. The way that Rogers dropped yesterday. Um, Colin Vikings 23-7 victors over the Packers. I didn't think it would be close. And I think it shows last night that there are considerable issues in, in Green Bay. Especially, on the in my opinion, on the wide receiver core. And the weapons that Aaron Rodgers has available to him. When Aaron Andrews comes out and says that uh, Aaron Rodgers describes Devante Adams as his safety net. That's concerning. But also... Anyone, anybody outside of this broadcast I've spoken to, they're all like, "Oh, well, the Packers will be grand next week." I because they're playing the Bears, but I'm I'm thinking like four or five months down the stretch, not even like three months down the stretch when he gets to the playoffs, they're not they're not going to win with this team, are they? I, I mean, maybe I'm losing my mind here, but Aaron Rodgers yesterday was not completing passes to what he could do previously, and I think to sit here and say that oh well he hasn't got Devante Adams he hasn't got the like it's a bit of a cop out when you've got like Romeo Dives Christian Watson you've got you know Aaron Jones you can hand it off to I, I just think it's I think it's ridiculous and I think I personally I think Minnesota the combination of that hybrid Rams offense with Phillips and O'Connell and Justin Jefferson played them off the park and it could have been a cricket score if they wanted it to be personally what do you think well, look, the, the Packers have been here before. This time last year, they were absolutely awful uh, against the, the Saints. Um, I, there were some bad drops yesterday, you know. I mean, there, that one particularly, I think, was Watson let it through his hands and he was wide open. So, look, it, it can take time for um, wide receivers to, especially that offensive game plan to come in. Yesterday, they were second best all over the field. And Rodgers didn't help himself like that stupid thing where he tried to body check uh, his former teammate and like he he was like um a baby gazelle trying to get back up off the the ground you know the the vikings took advantage of the fact that the packers played zone and and they just lined um, Jefferson up kind of all over the place. They used a huge number of crossing routes, which caused all sorts of confusion for the Packers. Now, again, the, the Packers will respond. You would expect them to, to get better. I'm, I don't think you, you overreact to it, but I expected the Vikings to be really good. I 
think that there was, there was culture there last year was all wrong. I think we we really saw it become a toxic place that changed under Kevin O'Connell. There'll be much tougher tests to, to come. But to start your, I suppose, head coaching career off with a thumping victory against your biggest rivals in your home stadium with your star player, um, you know, having a kind of a Randy Moss-esque game is is about as, as good as it gets but there is a long season to to go i i you know i'd like to see the the vikes um make the playoffs we talked to kevin o'connell seems very smart let's see what happens brian you thought the vikings were going to lose the game but more so kirk cousins did kirk cousins do anything for you yesterday to think he may have improved his consistency or he might work better in this offense. Genuine question. Was there anything you seen from the Vikings yesterday where you thought hmm, they have a chance at this division? I thought their pass rush. Sorry, I know I know it's I know it's a core question, core cousins related question. I'll come back to it. We didn't touch on how erratic the Packers offensive line was with Darius Smith and Hunter. We're all were dominant throughout the course of the game. You know, they got the Rodgers a number of times and it'll go down as more the fact that the Packers offense was inconsistent because of the wide receivers and there's some bad drops, but Throughout the game, Rodgers had very little time, and even when he did get out of pocket, he was, you know, he was quickly. If it wasn't, it was a secondary um, a linebacker coming in or a safety coming up. He just didn't get the time. Um, I was another part which hasn't really been recognised today. It hasn't been called it that much. Is this the score is very reflective of how the game was, which says it was it was quite a dominant win for for the Vikings. But at seven 0 there's a goal line stand on the one yard line by by this Vikings defence, and if that goes in. I'm not saying it would have changed the game in terms of the scoreline, but it could have been a bit of a shift, and you wouldn't know. But um, yeah, Rogers came out after the game and said these receivers, and in fairness, he wasn't as forceful as he was previously. He just he was a bit more actually. I was, I was a bit more encouraged by how he how he dealt with it after the game because he got pillared with questions around how these wide receivers just didn't step up to the mark. But he said, look, we've been here before. Some of them will learn. Some of them will get better. From a Viking standpoint. I think as the years go on, we're starting to realize how good a pair Jefferson Jefferson in like two touchdowns, 150 yards in in the first half, and look, he's up there in terms of the top five, top six receivers in the in the league. But I still feel, in general consensus, he's not at the top level. But what we saw from yesterday was a player that on his day he can't be covered. Collins right, he goes on. But we've seen where teams have stuck on him and had him fall across the field, and it still doesn't work because he's so explosive. Cousins got a lot of time yesterday. I felt um, offensive line did really well for him, but. Yeah, and this is the thing we've always discussed with Kirk Cousins. He'll play really well one week. You think you're going, he's going the right direction. The following week, he'll he'll have a clangor. Like to go into Philly on Monday Night Football next week. So it'll be interesting to see how he how he manages that game because opening day win for the Eagles, week two at home on a Monday night, the crowd will be will be well up for it, and it'll be interesting to see how he manages that game as opposed to a home game yesterday against the Packers team that were inconsistent. Indeedy, indeedy. Uh, that is the end of this segment. I feel like we could sit here and talk for the Vikings for ages, but we've got a, a broadcast outside Tottenham in three weeks, and we'll hopefully talk a bit more about the Vikes then. A lot of Vikings fans in Ireland and the UK, I'd say, very excited about that last night. But, uh, Packers have got the Bears next week, so an all-NFC North matchup, and the division's shaping up to be something good. I mean, I know um, we'll probably talk about the Eagles-Lions in a bit, who knows what's going on with the Lions as well it's all trending in the right direction that is the end of this segment if you want to listen to any other segments on the podcast please do so please like share subscribe please give us a review it really 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 means a lot thank you okay uh, our final segment tonight we are going to talk about the Giants second half comeback to 
I would say, yeah, Stun is, uh, I'm, I'm reading the executive producer's notes here, to Stun the Titans, uh, I would say that's uh, a stunner. Colm, I, I would go as far as saying, I, I, look, I think it's, the, it's a great result for um, the Giants, and I hold my hands up about Saquon as well, because I think I was giving him grief the other day. Um, this is unacceptable for Mike Vrabel, yeah? I mean, this is, like, this is shocking stuff. Like, he, like I, I'd say he hasn't slept. Because this is like for this team that were number one in the AFC at the end of the regular season last year, this is an unacceptable start for a Tennessee fan base. Like, quite frankly, we're on edge coming into this season. But I mean, give every credit to the to the Giants. They went for it. They had a bit of crack. They'd done it. Um, but has has this result? Do you think impacted Mike Vrabel at all, or is it way too early to say so at the minute? Oh, it's it's way way too too early. Look, I I think the giant Vrabel Vrabel yesterday. They they I mean, what we've always given Vrabel credit for is that he gets his team to to respond. The Giants were thirteen down at at halftime. We talked about it with the Bears earlier. It would have been very easy to drop the heads. Nobody gave them a prayer going into Tennessee, and they came out and they had a you know um, a, a really solid performance. I mean, basically, Brian Dable needs a, a like we saw Tyreek Hill say that Mike McDaniel's needs a wheelbarrow for his cojones. Well, no, I think um, Brian Dable needs a, a bigger one to go for for two and the way he his players responded to him and the fact that he wasn't afraid to go over to um daniel jones when he threw that awful pick and you know call him out in it not like lose the head but just say like that's kind of unacceptable so to to me this is the beauty of the the nfl right this is why people talk about the you know, the 0-16 Lions and the 0-16 Browns in, in such a way because it that's such a rarity. Like, most teams in the NFL will win through at least three or four games. And uh, I didn't expect Saquon to, to have the sort of game that he had. He looked really good yesterday. Best he's looked in a couple of years. The Saquon we saw last year looked like a shadow of his, his former self. But they looked rejuvenated re-energized they'll be tougher um games ahead as it turns out complacency it's you know that that is the ability to to keep players pushing and and pushing is is something that is um it's really difficult to do and once you lose momentum in in this league it's so difficult uh, to to get it back um but being aggressive um is what Dable does and it paid dividends yesterday really really good piece from uh, peter king uh, if people out there you know viewers or, or listeners definitely worth checking that piece out brian is talking to simon clancy earlier on this afternoon and he said to me um when the giants are winning the NFC East and the NFC is better off for it. I have to agree with that. Yeah, well, we spoke, you know, when we're doing our divisional preview and we spoke, we, we were fortunate, we spoke to the GM during the summer and we were all kind of, we took away from that, that you could, you could sense the changes were, were taking place and it'd be a slowly gradual thing. And I think that's still to come, but um, between him and the head coach, they seem to be in lockstep together. It was great to see after the game, Barkley giving the, the, the game balls to the boat and bearing in mind, the difficulty Barkley's had over the past few years, you know, you would think when he when you go for 18, 164 yards and a touchdown, you scored a winning 
well, the, yeah, the game winning score, you think he'd be the one getting the match ball, but it shows the kind of team togetherness that's there already. And to come back from 13 0 down against against the Titans team, rightly said, like on Friday, Mark said, let's not let's not get away from this game. It's a team that won four games last year, going in to the team that was the number one seed, and to hold Derrick Henry, who arguably is the best wide, sorry, best running back in the league, to, to 82 yards. It, with, a, with a defense that was missing their two two marquee pass rushers was uh, in itself really good and overall everybody collectively played really well. Um, the Giants have been stoned by some late field goals over the years and every Giants fan last night I, I text Colin saying here we go again because it's, it's, it's just has that deja vu feeling. You know the Eagles did it with a 61 yarder, Graham Ganon did it with a 63 yarder so to see it go, go right sometimes new head coaches just need a bit of luck and He's ballsy. He said it after the game. I'm here to win. Like I want to win games. I don't want to be going into overtime. With, you know, I'm going to be aggressive. And if anybody doesn't like it, well, then they go play somewhere else. So it's great to see that that's there. And you know, it's quickly. It's it's mad how quickly the NFL the narrative changes. Because it would at one stage you're thinking, oh, they've come close and they'll lose and it'll be the same old Giants. But thankfully they got got over the line. I do agree with you on the uh, Titans angle, um, Michael. You know, as as good as a, as pleased as I am to see my team win the game. If I was a Titans fan, I'd be disgusted. You know, they're 13 and up. They had opportunities to pull away and they didn't do it. Okay, fine, the Giants defense stepped up. But for a team that's supposed to be, you know, deemed to be a serious contender to be losing to a team that's only had four wins and once it's on their new head coach and GM, it's not acceptable. You know, Tannehill, look, you know, we feel that Tannehill, he's not conceived. For me, he's not the marquee quarterback that needs to be there. And ultimately, that's what's going to cost them in the long run. Thought he was, you know, he was okay yesterday, but... Giants found a way to keep him in check for, for large parts of the game. Well, everything that Clancy said to me or made me aware of was the Giants' schedule. They've got the Panthers next week, the Cowboys the week after, the Pairs the week after, and then they go to London. They could be 4-0 uh, the time they go to London because some well, of the... Well, I don't know about the Panthers. Talk about that on Friday. Let's, bra- let's just quick, hit, huh? hit, the bra- hit the brakes there, uh, Michael. Uh, what I've learned in this game, you know, things change very quickly, you know, so... Yeah, people now will say the Giants have the Panthers on Sunday. They just lost, but Panthers easily could have won yesterday, and there'd be a different feel going into the game. So, Baker, Baker. Let's see are. what happens, and let's uh, let's keep that for Friday and see the crack. I'm sure we'll have enough to talk about on Thursday as well. Um, there was a lot of grief about this game, Colin, the Bucks against the Cowboys. Maybe it shows you how far down the rabbit hole I am. That I actually enjoyed this game last night. Am, am I insane? I was sitting chilled out loved the I think it was four or five times Brady got off to Julio there was one big play uh, Lenny Fournette looks really fresh still I don't know maybe he's just getting old he didn't like he did he looked completely different with his interview at the end of the game anyway anyway I was up to about 20 to 5 last night this is why I'm you know looking like this at the minute with the L'Oreal etc um, they get the job done 19 to flee, but the big story obviously is Dak Prescott uh, injured. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. There was no offense for the Cowboys at all uh, last night, apart from I think Ezekiel Elliott had like 40 or 50 yards max. Um, and Colin, that goes down to the GM. And who is the GM in Dallas? Looked very unhappy last night. They have nobody else but themselves to blame, have they? Because Julio Jones could have been on the other it could have been on the other sideline last night, and Jerry hasn't bothered his whole. Yeah, I said it on Friday night. Jerry, Jerry is the biggest issue in 
Dallas. I mean that 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 goes back, but Jerry's a multi billionaire and nobody in Dallas can call him on it. Jerry gets to do what whatever Jerry wants to, to do. I didn't think the Bucks were at all impressive on offense, but they, they didn't need to to be because the Cowboys were so pedestrian. That comes back to the issues that they had on the line prior to the game but then you lose the guy on the the opening drive so essentially kind of you know probably almost four-fifths of your line is not what you were hoping it would be for week one and and that's a huge issue and then you lose the starting QB I I, I really don't know where the Cowboys go from here because you just look at the roster and it's not like they're you know there's even even when they get the O-line guys back that you look at the wide receivers and, and CD is obviously very talented, but is CD the real kind of monstrous kind of WR1 that you want? I don't know if he is. Low diminishing returns with Zeke. I said it before. This Bucks team, double-digit wins. This Cowboys team are in all sorts of trouble. Brian, I was surprised at how the Cowboys played last night. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk around them, but I did think they would find a way to at least get a score on the board. I was shocked watching that Cooper Rush now as it stands as a quarterback. Uh, Lenny Fournette for the Bucks had over 100 yards rushing the night. Brady still didn't get a lot done. Mika Parsons, I think, from my coffee-filled evening memory, had two sacks. Um, Jimmy G, Dallas, what would it take? I don't think Jimmy G would be the, would be the answer. I think the if we're going to get into a quarterback speculation, I think they'd be more inclined to try to hunt me from the Ravens. Uh, potentially, he'd be more of a better fit for that uh, offense. He's more similar. Would traits. they let him go at the minute with the whole thing about Lamar? Do you think that's the uh, million-dollar question? But what, what would be the right price to get to draw out a backup quarterback? He has the same kind of as his skill sets to, to certainly to Dak more so than Jimmy G. Like, Michael, when we finished the show on Friday night and we were previewing this game, I recap. I finished by saying. The storyline in this game will not be about Brady. It'll be about how the Cowboys' uh, offense can't get anything going because their offensive line is so sporadic and they've got so many injuries. They lost McLaurin early in the game, which didn't help. Um, Dak, 14 and 29. And Colin Wright with Zeke thing. It's a disaster. And they've got a great running back there that just won't utilize because they feel like they have to play Zeke. Pollard had two receptions for 14 yards in the game. And then the indiscipline that we saw in the, in the, pre, in the playoff game, which was a real factor as to why they lost the 49ers game, would have been one of the issues that they needed to resolve over the summer and they had double digit penalties throughout the course of the game. It was a comfortable night for Brady. He had nine incomplete passes throughout the course of the game. Yeah, he didn't do anything magic. Jerry Jones came out after the game and said, it's a very disappointing night, but ultimately it's a very surprising night for the team. I mean, what team is he expecting? You know, and I really don't want to speak with Jerry Jones because I think all most Cowboys fans are frustrated with his situation. I'd rather talk about Julio Jones because he had 67 yards reception. Okay, he had the big bomb from Brady and he had 17 yards and he had touched on it earlier. He looked like the old Julio Jones. He looks like he's refreshed and ready to go and he's got an opportunity to potentially be in a team that could be in the playoffs. Who knows? My God, it's Super Bowl. Cowboys didn't even get into the red zone once the offense was was non-existent, um, even with that. Now they're in a, in a precarious situation. Like If you're a Cowboys fan and they don't go out and trade for a for a quarterback, whoever it is, whether it's Jimmy G or Horton or maybe just someone else that we're not we're not pick up we're not picking up on. If they don't do that and he's gone for eight weeks, are they essentially saying the season's over? Like okay, they might win a couple of games. Cooper Rush won a game last year against the Vikings, but let's be honest, I think most Cowboys fans would say he's not the answer. Um, I think that would be nuts. In, in, in their division, 
and in their conference that would be insane to do that I mean I, I understand why there's a viewpoint there can I just to, say one thing because I, I, I know to with Cooper Rush. Or, or, no to, to have the viewpoint that your season's over I think that would be insane um, no, I'm not, I'm not they, suggesting that, but like the Cowboys fans will, mm. will, will will expect a reaction there, and they will expect to try it. Like I said, the week eight or eight weeks brings them up. Let's be fair; we know what the hell it is. When they say we six to eight, it could be nine to ten. So what's that bring up? Brings up to November. If you're not if October, you're not, yeah, just start in November. So they play the Bengals this week. Then they play. They have another difficult. I think they play. Oh, sorry, they play us then week three. Like that's that's a okay. It's in the NFC East game. You never know with these games. Week four, they have the Commanders. Got some difficult games coming up. Can I, can I just say, because I do want to talk about the Patriots game just between all of us, because I know Mark's not here, but, the, but the, and then we'll look at a few other ones and we'll get out of here. Uh, just a very, very quick point. I'm sure somebody will jump in here. Tampa weren't that impressive. Like They weren't that impressive at all. Like Tom Brady had 212 yards for one touchdown and one interception. Kirk Cousins had better stats yesterday. Granted, you know, different game, etc. Lenny was great. I just you know let's see what they're like over the next few weeks. Um, I thought defensively they were very good. I thought like they had some. Really yeah, sorry, I, I I meant their offense. Sorry, oh, sorry I, I meant to say yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was just the game was very stop start, but I I, I enjoyed watching it. I mean, maybe I'm just a complete freak. I, I don't know. Lads, to be honest with you, uh, talking about freaks, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel. Uh, Column, let's start off with a unbiased positive spin in this game to make sure that no Patriots fans feel that we are picking on them I, I feel I, I listened back to my analysis in the uh, in the AFC's preview uh, this evening and I have to say I feel that I was very very balanced at the, at the Patriots I do feel there's, there's there's issues there and it was it was very clear last night I think we'd all love to see obviously seeing those teams like the Giants come back up getting some wins I think everyone would like to see the Patriots do well in that division and, and challenge Miami and challenge Buffalo but um, I mean they struggled last night in Miami I don't I, I don't think that will be unfair to say would it and, and Mac Jones at the minute has now got like an injury issue um, it's going to be intriguing to see where they go from here uh, well like they they always struggle in Miami so it shouldn't be that biggest surprise that they they struggled uh, yesterday and what it really seemed to be were the the drives that kind of just stalled out and yeah I, I do think that you know the lack of an offensive coordinator is is a hindrance um to to them um the I, it, it was a it was a strange game because the dolphins were always in control but yet they, you know, it, it it felt that they never fully got got out of kind of third gear, really. And um, some of that is that, like, it's brand new team. There's lots of new faces there. It's a new offensive system. It'll take time to kind of all come to together. For me, the, the biggest issue, I think, for the, the Patriots, you know, I, I think Matt Jones is a, a solid QB. Um, they'll always be reasonably okay defensively. But the trades that they and the free agency acquisitions in terms of the wide receivers and the tight ends, that's their their biggest issue. There, there's no there's not enough speed there. Um, there's no super big bodied guy that you know can go up for the the contested catches. Um 
and that's I think they're why they they're gonna struggle. Um, but it it is early. Um, they have time to to sort things out. But you would feel an awful lot better, I think. I would if if my team had an offensive coordinator and I could see a plan coming together. It is very difficult, you know, in terms of the Patriots to for them to have Patricia and judge and say these are the guys who are going to sort out the offense. Brian, um, looking at both teams, any positives for the Patriots and? Look, there were situations yesterday where Tua wasn't great, but he got, like, I mean, the Dolphins got the job done, man. Jarvis, uh, it wasn't Jarvis Landry, Jalen Waddle with a touchdown, Tyreek Hill with some big plays. Uh, it's a work in progress on Miami. Um, I mean, I'd say defensively they played reasonably well. I mean, you look at it, there was eight drives with a page of three, three turnovers and they left them in short field, field range and they still held them to two field goals. And then, obviously, they had the touchdown. Um, to Waddle, which was again, it was yards after catch touchdown, more so than a great throw from Tua. So maybe you, you're gonna have, bear in mind the heat that the defense played well. But I agree with Colin. Like, what we've seen over what we've seen from the Patriots over the years is a, kind of a, a collective approach to offense. You know, there was never a marquee wide receiver, maybe back to the Randy Moss days, but you know, there was Edelman and Amadona and other players and Gronk. It was always kind of a collaborative approach, and you'd have players in various positions that collectively as a unit with Brady there, they could, they could work work well but Collins right they don't have the players and where they really lost out yesterday I felt was the run game like Harris last year when they went into Buffalo and won and there was other games earlier in the season where they were winning games because they had a strong running game like that was non-existent yesterday and I wasn't overly impressed with the, with the Dolphins either but I think the Dolphins will improve as the season goes on I mean Tua was like uh, Keith touched on it there Tua was okay but nothing special they had some few flashy plays from Tyreek Hill and Modlin they had some good numbers but they got off. They got off. They were good start, and it kind of played out as we expected. I didn't expect much from the from the, the Patriots' offense. I, I thought they missed the trick on the opening drive because it was a really good drive. They drove down, and then they start going after Howard, the, the, the best cornerback in which the Dolphins have. And there was the interception where it was tipped up. Um, like why are you go? Like they went down after him a couple of times. You don't go after the best cornerback the team has. You try to you try to swerve him and go away from him and put someone else on him. And, you know, try to keep the ball away from him as best as much as possible. They kept going after him, and in the end, it kind of cost him. And for a drive that got, we started off at the, off the, uh, at the twenty-five to get down around the twenty, maybe twenty-eight yard line, then for the interception, that that's essentially kind of changed the game very quickly. Two very quick ones. I'll just touch on myself before Colin talks about the Chiefs and Superman at quarterback, and we're not talking about Cam Newton. Uh, a tie with the Texans and the Colts. Colts were interesting to watch. Texans, a lot of heart, fair play to them. Uh, Matt Ryan, it's going to take him a few weeks to get embedded into that offense, but I guess they'll be happy that the Titans lost. And the Jacks Commanders game, I, I enjoyed watching it. The Carson Wentz experience, uh, up and down like a yo yo. I think he had two interceptions, two touchdowns. Uh, the rookie Dotson, wide receiver, enjoyable game to watch for a neutral because it was absolutely bananas. But they get the win as well, 20 at the 22 column. You're going to talk about the Chiefs last night, uh, who. Great. They did. They were, they were absolutely fantastic. And as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there, they will be there, thereabouts. Uh, led the league in yards per play, 
first downs per play and success rate. 70% of their drives ended in points. And um, to point out, I suppose, Mahomes, 30 for 39, 360 yards passing, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's the fourth player in the Super Bowl era um, to have that stat line above 300 yards passing, five uh, touchdowns and zero interceptions. Each of the previous three went on to win MVP, Marino, Manning, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I don't know what the cars were thinking in terms of continuously blitzing him. I think it was because they probably had no other way to get um, pressure, Um, but they just went after him and, and Mahomes just picked him apart, uh, particularly in the the, the red zone. And um, I, I would expect that you will see the Chargers adopt a completely different approach on Thursday night, because if you are going to blitz Patrick Mahomes, he is going to have fun with you all day long. Brian, Ravens looking really good. Lamar Jackson, some bombs down the field high, and that's even without Mark Andrews getting the touchdown. Yeah, it took a while for him to get going. The Jets fans are, are very disappointed today. There was a lot of high hopes, um, but offensively, they couldn't get anything going all day. And defensively, they, they kept the Ravens in check for a long time, and Lamar didn't do a lot in the first half. And it was only kind of towards the middle to a quarter that they started to get grips on the game. But it, it was kind of one of those situations where our defense has done so much, but, but if our offense isn't going to do anything for us, there's only so long you can hold Lamar Jackson in, in, in check. Touchdowns kind of reminded me of um, the game in Denver last year. If, um, if you recall, when everybody thought it'd be, you'd have to beat them on the ground. That Denver defense, as opposed to you know with the with the bombs, but he he put two bombs in yesterday, and it was a nice credit for for the Ravens. That kind of looked like a tricky game going into win country. Was it's it's a nice start for them. For the Jets, difficult times ahead. They're away to the Browns this weekend. After the Browns win yesterday, you would expect the Browns to be. You know, but look, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, and Joe Flacco throwing the ball to Ravens players just like old times. A lot of Ravens fans were not happy with me on social media last night. Or sorry, Jets fans were not happy with me on social media last night. But it is what it is. Uh, very quickly, Lions-Eagles, really, really in- enjoyable game. And uh, Jared Goff, two touchdowns, interception. DeAndre Swift started the game off really, 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 really strong. And that's when I started said at the start of the program column about the... Um, the whole hype about the about the season finally getting underway. The first star was a bit slow, but Swift was out of the was out of the gap from the very very start. Uh, the combination of St. Brown, Shark, and and TJ, literally, I mean, you know, St. Brown and Shark had two had a touchdown each. There was a five minute period where both St. Brown scored touchdowns for the Eagles. They looked man, they looked like Jalen Hurts didn't have any passing touchdowns, but he just looked so fresh and the fact that you had four rushing touchdowns between Sanders Hurts himself Game and Scott shows you the sheer consistency and honestly hybrid offense that Sirianni has here because AJ Brown had 155 yards on the day why the hell did they trade him what are they at they're going to rue that big time big time Brian before we make our game picks I believe you have a point to make on this game because you're such a big Eagles fan. Why was this game not in the talking points? There were 73 points scored in this game. I guess uh, it was really, like probably the game of the day. But the one thing I will say, Brian, is the Eagles are probably sitting today wondering, well, how good are we if we let the Lions score 35 points? That's, that's the, the point. Only... That's the point I was just about to say, Michael. And the reason why it wasn't in there was because this game for a long time wasn't even covered on Red Zone or other media. It was because the Eagles were comfortable, you know, Lions started well. 
Eagles kind of got to grips with the game, and then they were. It looked like it was a comfortable win. And they, but what I would say, like this, the Eagles defense, I, I'm still not convinced by it. Like Jonathan Gannon, the defense coordinator, has had loads of interviews during the soft season because he's a great, he's a great, uh, he's the upcoming head coach. But I, I've struggled with him last year, and they were exposed in the playoff game. Jared got a 16 incomplete passes, and he threw a pick six, and they still managed to give up 35 points to a Lions offense. Jared Goff's quarterback, so I think there's more difficult days ahead, including next Monday when they play against the, the new um, MVP favourite in Kirk Cousins. So, uh, yeah, the Eagles probably are the standard team in the division right now, but I'm still, I'm still thinking there's teams that will get at that, that defence. Right, we've got a game tonight, Monday Night Football. Broncos going up against the Seahawks in Seattle. Russell Wilson playing his first down for the Broncos after that big trade. Hasn't played in the preseason and obviously returning to whatever it's called this week. Lumenfield, Colm? I don't even know anymore, sir, honestly. Um, Colm, game pick, go. It'll be loud, it'll be raucous. The Seahawks have done just about everything they can to rile up their fans and downplay what Russell Wilson did for that franchise. Um, it, it, it's in stark contrast. Look, there was animosity between Belichick and, and Brady, um, but generally um, you don't see it play out in the media like it has uh, this week. Um, the Broncos have Randy Gregory and KJ Hamler playing, which is a plus. Right tackle is certainly going to be an issue. Um, I think this will you know, be... Uh, kind of a a tougher game than maybe people are uh, expecting but I don't have any faith in Geno Smith and generally in the NFL it comes down to the quality of the the quarterback and you can get away if their difference isn't too big it's considerably um, (laughs) it's a significant golf when you talk Geno Smith and Russell Wilson I have the the Broncos winning this um, because Russell Wilson will want it, but I don't. I don't expect it to to be a particularly high-scoring game or the Broncos to run away with it. Russell Wilson is twenty-nine and eleven-one in prime-time games. He'll be hitting the magical thirty tonight. Um, I, I see this as a very comfortable win. Yeah, I can understand why people have this narrative that the Seahawks be well up for a course to win. It's week one. Um, you know, that, hold, that, hold, hold on. You, you said the Seahawks are going to win 10 games this year. I'm holding this every week now. They're, like, they're, they're, they're not playing win. 10 games tonight, Michael. They're only playing one. Do you know what I mean? That's a good come. point, Brian. Yeah. Well, that does a very, very good comeback. Well done. <laughs> yeah, well, this is always going to be a difficult game for them. You know, get this one out of the way. Um, look, the NFL are very clever and putting this one on for Monday Night Football. Because, as I said, when this schedule came out, this game was in November with the Seahawks season essentially out the door. And this, the Broncos going towards a playoff playoff. Uh, contending team, it, it mightn't get the scrutiny this game deserves in terms of the uniformity of the fact that he's going back to Seattle. I could see Seattle hanging around. I could see it making it difficult as possible for, for the for the opening quarter, maybe two, but I think by the third quarter, the Broncos will find a way to pull away. And I think it'll be more um, around the run game. I think the likes of Gordon and Williams will have a, a nice night, and the Broncos will win, win come maybe two touchdowns. I have the Broncos winning this game comfortably, potentially anywhere up on 14 to 21 points i think their run game will be too much for seattle with john d williams and melvin gordon albert okuweganam to have at least one touchdown and i personally think russell wilson's gonna completely ball out against seattle because he wants to shut them up um and i guess they'll move on to the texans next week after that and see but i just don't see a situation in which there can be the upset and time will tell tonight as i smile for 
a Twitter picture. Okay. Uh, so we've talked the sweep tonight. The Bron- like this is not going to happen much this season. Please God, it does. But uh, yeah, Broncos against the Seahawks is at one fifteen a.m. I'll be up if anybody wants to tweet from this account. It would be great. Colin, are, are, are you watching the game live? Yes, I, I am gonna. Um, there we go. Watch the there, game live. You're the man on Twitter tonight. Excellent. Okay, folks, we're back on Thursday, Thursday. night at ten o'clock. Okay, sounds good. Uh, big thanks to everyone. I think we put a lot of the comments on the screen. Just a big thanks to everybody. Uh, Stephen saying, let's ride. We'll end the show on that in a second. And yeah, just thanks to everyone. There's an absolute brick load of comments. Thanks to everybody taking the time to put this onto YouTube and just comment there because it's so much handier, folks. Uh, just they put the comments on the screen. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, obviously, thanks to Cassidy Travel. Do check out the link uh, and check out the link for NFL Game Pass. We're back on Thursday night. We're back on Friday night. Uh, and we do it all over again this day next week so until then keep her lit yeah enjoy it again I'll try my best I'll have a free arse good luck <laughs>